Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. My name is Chris Wallen and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Football Garbage Time. And with me is Senior Staff Writer and my co-host, Joey Alibro, who also, by the way, does some coaching, uh, some football coaching at Prince Avenue Christian School. Hey, Joey, how you doing? I'm doing good at Kong. I just talked to the combine. As talked about before in the show, it's my favorite time of year. Um, yep. So we got free agency rolling around soon, and we got the draft to blow off through that. So I'm ready to dig and, and we all know it, because you were, you were excited about this before we even got over the Super Bowl, from what I recall. I uh, remember last time we were That's talking about true. it, you are like, hey, what are you excited about the Super Bowl? You're basically telling me when it's over because we're getting out there to the offseason. And I, and I know how much you love scouting out there. So that combine must have been your Super Bowl this last weekend. Well, when you're a Giants fan, you got to look forward to the offseason every year. Right? <laughs> it's all about the future, man. It's all about the future. Uh, speaking of which, you're back to coaching in, what, about a month or so? Uh, yep, we should be hitting uh, spring practice in about a month. Um, it'll be it'll be looking good. Uh, I'll be coaching defensive backs this year, along with uh, our secondary coordinator Will Perry. Uh, shout out to him. Uh, he's been All helping right. me along, teaching me coverages, um, things like that. Awesome. So I, I'm expecting some good insight on when we get to day four of the combine. Talk about those DBs, since you're going to be that DB guy starting in about a week, in about a month from now. It's awesome, man. All right. So uh, we got a lot to talk about today. We are going to be talking about, that's right, the NFL Combine, some of the good, the bad, the ugly that came out of that. But before we get to that, we're going to talk a little bit about the franchise tag, and there's a lot of things going on there because we're not quite a free agency yet, but uh, you can get a little bit of an idea of how these teams are going to position themselves going into the offseason. So let's go ahead and get it started. All right, franchise tag. Teams can designate franchise tags starting on February 27th, ending at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, March 12th. That was extended this year because of the CBA uh, discussions. Everyone knows about those. Uh, teams can start negotiations of players in the legal tampering period on March 16th, and free agency officially opens on March 18th. Now, normally teams can only use either the franchise tag or the transition tag uh, in one offseason, but not both, but under the current CBA. This year is an exception, allows teams to use both tags. So it should be interesting to see how this all works out. Today, we're only going to talk about the franchise tag. And for those who don't know, it allows you to allow the team to restrict a player scheduled to become an unrestricted free agent from moving around in exchange for a predetermined one-year salary, giving both parties another 12 months to agree on a contract extension. And as we've seen in the past from certain players on the field, franchise tag doesn't necessarily mean that player is going to play. He may decide not just to sit out the season, but that being said, they will be offered a significant amount of money. The salary for each position is an amount that's no less than the average of the top five salaries of the player's position to date or 120% of the player's previous year's salary, whichever is greater. So let's start with what the expected franchise tags are so far. There are many out there that people are talking about. From what we understand, these are the ones that are expected to happen so with the Cincinnati Bengals, there's a franchise tag expected on wide receiver A.J. Green, Jacksonville Jaguars, franchise tag expected on pass rusher Yannick Ngakwe, and Kansas City Chiefs are expected to franchise tag defensive lineman Chris Jones, Devin Broncos uh, expected to put the tag on safety Justin Simmons, and the Pittsburgh Steelers expected to put the franchise tag on linebacker Bud Dupree, 
And finally, the Baltimore Ravens expected to put the franchise tag on outside linebacker Matthew Juden. So, uh, Joey, tell me, any of those expected franchise tags jump out at you as interesting? Or is there some other tags that you saw uh, that have been talked about out there that you would like to talk about that bring to our listeners' attention? Uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, a couple of weeks ago when we did our free agency preview, um, mm-hmm. I talked about how Yannick Ngakwe was going to be a target for the Giants going into uh, free agency. <laughs> And, uh, and But I also mentioned that he was a likely candidate for the franchise tag just based on his age and his production. Um, mm-hmm. That seems to be the case here. As you mentioned, he, he got the franchise tag. But what's interesting about him is that he tweeted out um, the day he got the franchise tag. Uh, mm-hmm. this, this is the quote. Said, the Jaguars are aware I no longer have interest in signing a long-term contract in Jacksonville. Duvall, I love you and gave, gave you guys everything I got. I'm thankful for the journey and look forward to continuing my career elsewhere. Um, mm-hmm. And this is interesting because we saw we saw this play out last year um, with Frank Clark and the Seahawks um, getting moved, and he getting moved to the Chiefs for a, a second rounder, and which he, and then he signed a long term contract with Kansas City. Um, and coming from a Giants perspective, it's it's kind of disheartening um, that we gave up a third rounder and a conditional fifth for Leonard Williams, who's still not re-signed at this point mm-hmm. because that third rounder is about equivalent to what the Chiefs gave up to for Frank Clark last year. So I think that third could have been used to go lock up Ngakwe. Don't have to worry about the open market next year or we go get him this year. Um, mm-hmm. So he's really the, the one that stood out to me. Um, and the AJ Green one is uh, also interesting just because, I mean, Joe Burrow is obviously the locked-in favorite for the number one pick for the Bengals. Right. Um, and to have a, a season's number one receiver um, – I, I know he's injured often, um, but to have him ready to go in Cincinnati with Burrow would be uh, a huge jump start for Burrow and Cincinnati. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And and I, I agree on both of those, actually. I saw also that when A.J. Boy was, was traded um, from the Jaguars um, to the Broncos, that Ngakwe had uh, tweeted out, hey, how'd you figure out how to do that? You know, basically, you know, I, I want to be on that bandwagon. I want to get off this Jaguars team. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But with, the, with A.J. Green, I think that is a terrific um, way of getting the most out of their first-round pick um, because they, they almost definitely will take Joe Burrow, and um, he needs to have good targets and having A.J. Green there. I think A.J. Green's going to be excited about that, honestly. I mean, why, why wouldn't you be? Having a, a young quarterback there that they're looking to build the franchise around, it kind of reinvigorates him in some way, gives him some hope that they can really take off. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I agree. There's a lot of injuries there, but that one does definitely interest me as well. We'll see how that works out. Well, certainly lots more to keep an eye on and lots more to talk about because uh, honestly, the franchise tags sequence is still just beginning. And then of course the transition tag will make things even more interesting, but let's for now hit the bell on that one and move on to our next topic. And that is the NFL combine. So everyone knows the NFL combine was Thursday, February 27th through Sunday, March 1st, at least all the skills portions were in Indianapolis at Lucas Oil Field, and more than 300 prospects participated. There was a lot to watch and read about, but don't worry, we got you covered. We're going to give you some of our notable uh, performances from each day of the Combine, so let's go ahead and do this. Let's start with Thursday, February 27th, when tight ends, quarterbacks, and wideouts were on the field. Uh, Tell me, Joey, uh, give us your notable performances from Thursday. Okay, so uh, for Thursday, my first winner, uh, quote-unquote, was Henry Ruggs III out of Alabama. Um, mm-hmm. 
he ran a 427, which was he touted as disappointing, uh, even though anybody who's <laughs> right. sub 4-3 is absolutely blazing fast. Um, yep. He wasn't the number one receiver at Alabama. We all know that was Jerry Judy, but he's slowly creeping up mock draft boards um, and big boards everywhere to be the number one receiver in this class. Um, mm-hmm. So I think just his performance at the combine alone um, will we'll put him there. Um, I like mm-hmm. him to a team like Philadelphia um, or even the Raiders if they can get a um, – well, I mean, it's the Raiders type of pick, right? Get the, the, fast, the fastest guy you can. Um, right, right. But uh, those are the two teams I like him to. Um, my loser for Thursday really was uh, a guy we talked about um, when we had um, – Adam Aniba on, I believe. Uh, yep. He does the small school prospects. Um, our, my loser yep. is Antonio Gandy Golden out of Liberty. Um, all the all the things about him catching all these deep balls, being a deep threat. And, you know, he had 27, 27 of those over the last two seasons. Um, but he was at Liberty, and you know you got to put up the measurables at the combine to prove um, you're not just beating up on low level talent, right? Um, right. Unfortunately, he ran a four six forty time, which is not going to help his stock at all. Um, for him to run that as a receiver uh, is a little disappointing. Um, I'm sure for a lot of teams. Uh, yeah, so that's my uh, my Thursday notable performances. Yeah. So those are those are good ones actually. I I, I certainly agree with uh, with those and uh, the ones that you kind of went through there. I had a couple that I, I kind of toyed around with. I wasn't sure who I was going to really talk about because I did want to talk about Justin Herbert, but he's getting plenty of uh, plenty of media attention as is Jordan Love. Uh, so I'm going to skip those guys, although I do both think that – I think they both had great combine performances. I'm going to talk about instead about Chase Claypool, and, of course, I'm biased being a Notre Dame fan, um, with good reason, seeing that uh, Chase Claypool did amazing things in 2019, uh, 66 catches, 1,037 yards, 15.7 yards per catch and 13 touchdowns. And of course his touchdown from the senior bowl also helps. Uh, and Claypool did a great job, I think at the combine solidifying his uh, potential as a later round wide receiver pick um, in a very deep wide receiver class. I mean, there are so many great wide receivers out there, but he has some significant measurable six, four, 238 pounds. He's a big guy. He's tall. He's big. Um, some people had asked whether he should move to tight end. He even said himself that he might consider that. Uh, but you know what? He just did all the things he had to do in order to show that he was a wide receiver. I mean, he ran like one, that's for sure. Seventh fastest 40-yard dash of, among wide receivers at a 4.42. I mean, I don't, not a lot of tight ends run that fast, so that's some, some big stuff. According to NFL research, Claypool and Calvin Johnson are the only wide receivers who stood at, at least 6'4 and 235 pounds and ran a sub 4.45 second 40-yard dash. So that, there you go to tell you something. He also had the fourth best vertical jump at 40.5 and the 50 most reps on bench press. So he's, he has ups, he's strong, he's fast. What else do you want from a guy? He actually has good, runs good routes as well. So I think I like him uh, as a later pick in the draft in a very solid whiteout class. And uh, I think the combine definitely helped him. Now I'm going to talk about uh, your boy here, Jake Fromm from uh, Georgia. I, I'm going to talk about him as the down <laughs> actually, because Not you know what? he was a top end <laughs> draft prospect. <laughs> I thought, uh, had an up and down 2019 uh, season. Saw him slip to the second round or later in most big boards. You know, I, I didn't see anything that he did in the combine that improved his stock. I, I'd love to get your thoughts on this as well. Um, but but you know the thing is that you know during measurable drills, you know Fromm was 
pretty subpar, 5.01 second 40-yard dash, basically the slowest time amongst all quarterbacks. Um, He posted a 30-inch vertical. That was ninth best, a 111-inch broad jump, 10th best. And um, he had a 4.51 second short shuttle tied for seventh amongst quarterbacks. And a 7.27 second three cone drill at ninth amongst quarterbacks. So he's not, you know, not fast, not not a lot of agility there, um, not terribly, uh, not terribly strong. And there's it does nothing to uh, to address the concern about arm strength. There's always been a little bit of concern about Fromm and his arm strength. Um, his hand size measured up at uh, eight and seven eighths inches, which is exactly one inch smaller than the average NFL quarterback. You know, that in in and of itself doesn't cause problems, but the fact that people are concerned about arm strength, and it was really clear that he was trying to overcompensate with the on-field drills uh, for arm strength. He just basically overthrew everybody uh, when he went deep. And that was clearly him just trying to overcompensate. I, I wasn't, I wasn't thrilled. Wasn't thrilled with what I saw from Jake Fromm. I'm sure he'll still be the sixth or seventh quarterback off the board, but this does nothing in order to improve his draft stock as far as I'm concerned. So, so Fr- tell me about Fromm. What do you think? Do you, you have any thoughts on him? I know you're from around the area. He's not your guy, but around the area, so to speak. <laughs> Yeah, as someone who's seen a ridiculous amount of Georgia games over the last three years that I've, I've been at the University of Georgia, um, I, I've been attacked for this in the past because it's not a popular opinion to have on your own team's quarterback, but I do not think he's an NFL quarterback in the, in the, in the slightest. I think he's a career backup, which there's wow. nothing wrong with that. But some people, uh, they like to get grandiose with their predictions on their own guy. Um Everything I've seen from him has been average, uh, average arm strength, average accuracy, and he's never had to be the guy at Georgia. Right. He's had right. Michelle, Nick Chubb, Elijah Holyfield, DeAndre Swift. Very true. He throws the ball 15, 20 times a game. And right. I think he won one game in this entire college career where he threw over 30 passes. And today no, in the NFL, that. that's not going to happen. You're throwing, right. you're throwing 30, 40 balls a game in the NFL. Um, right. So for a team to take a risk – even in the second round on Jake Fromm would be surprising to me just because mm. I don't see him as a long-term starter anywhere, but a mm-hmm. team, maybe a team that's uh, uh, a little worried about their quarterback's health um, or just wants to take a flyer on him in the third or fourth. I could see that happening. Uh, happening. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not the biggest Jake Fromm supporter. Um, like I mentioned before, my quarterback, Brock Vandegrift at Prince Avenue, he's, the number one 2021 quarterback in the nation, and he committed wow. to Georgia. So I'm very excited about watching him in a few years. Oh, all after upside now, huh? Yeah. Uh, what, what's that? All upside now, right? I mean, it looks like you you got a lot to look forward to. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, uh, this year we got uh, Jamie Newman coming in from uh, Vanderbilt as a grad transfer and talk about the complete opposite of Fromm. He's an athletic freak. Um, oh. So I'm also excited about that. Um, spice up the offense a bit. Uh, yeah, so Pretty those are my hard, though, to be a better off, be 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 a, be a better athlete than Jake Fromm based on his numbers. Just saying, not didn't want to take a shot at Jake Fromm when he's down, but <laughs> not impressive. <laughs> just saying, um, you know, hey, I can't do better. I'm just saying, if you're at the combine, you know, competition's pretty high. All right, well, that's some good good thoughts there on uh, Jake Fromm and some things to look forward to for all you Bulldog fans out there. So let's go ahead and turn it over to the next day. Uh, and that is Friday, February 28th, where the place kickers, special teams, offensive linemen, and running backs were on the field. So, Joey, take it away. What, what were the notable performances from Friday? Yes, yeah, so I've got two winners. I didn't, I didn't pick out any losers this, uh, this day. 
Um, so kind. my first one in, I'm sure you've heard all about him. He's been in the talking town because of his combine performance. Mecky Beckton, the tackle from uh, Louisville. Um, mm-hmm. He's 6'7", 364 pounds, which is a, a monster of a man. And for him to run a 5'1", is one of the most impressive things I've seen at the combine. Uh, mm-hmm. We talked about Henry Jones running a 4.27, but a guy <laughs> that whose size doesn't even register in your mind until you, you you're next to him uh, for right. him to run a 5.1 um, and have have all this buzz around him is incredible. Um, my only concern about him is it kind of reminds me of uh, Eric Flowers when the Giants drafted him Ooh. in 2015. Oh, man. He was he okay. was a very large human being coming from an ACC school that had an impressive combine. Um, so that's my only yeah, – I have that, that little – Yeah, I can imagine why you have that problem. You <laughs> have a little PTSD over Eric Flowers, right? So exactly. it makes sense. And, uh, and Beckton's quote at the combine makes me a little more – uh, thinking that he'll be get, he'll get drafted by the Giants um, mm-hmm. in the early first if we trade back, of course. Um, he said, uh, "If you want to run the ball, draft me." <laughs> so I'm sure Dave Gettleman <laughs> is drooling about that one. Yeah, I um, bet. So yeah, that was my that's my first winner from that day, and then the second winner is going to be uh, Jonathan Taylor. Um, yeah, I love that guy. I mean, over the last uh, 20 years, there's been some friends about uh Wisconsin running backs, I mean all the way all the way back to Ron Dane. I mean that's obviously yeah, wow. a little bit before my time. But uh I remember him uh, being quite the bust for the Giants. Um but I mean Jonathan Taylor looks to be the real deal so far. I mean over seven thousand yep. yards from scrimmage in his career, fifty five total touchdowns and then running a four four one at two hundred and twenty six pounds is very impressive for a running back. Um, yep. so I see him being in that RB1, RB2 spot, um, switching off with DeAndre Swift. Um, I don't see any running backs going in the first round this year because uh, a lot of the analytics push has been that you don't draft running backs in the first round. Obviously, that didn't stop uh, Gettleman drafting Barkley and Gettleman also drafting Christian McCaffrey during his time in Carolina. Um, I I see Taylor and Swift um, leading that running back group coming into uh, May. Yeah, no, me too. And I love the fact that it's Taylor Swift. That's fantastic. <laughs> I mean, you're just like, wow, <laughs> she asked for a better combo. It's Taylor Swift. Anyway, so, uh, and Ryan, if he made this show, would be would be rolling over right now and, and uh, get, getting ready to blast us because, of course, we know how much he hates running backs. Come on and defend yourself, Ryan. Get on, the, get on here and defend yourself. He hates running backs, and he also loved Jake Fromm for the Patriots last time we were on the air, so it would be interesting to see what he thinks about all this. Hey, I, I love the Jonathan Taylor pick. And uh, of course, I love the uh, the Beckton pick. I I might I'll just toot my own horn here. Last time uh, before we got on to to the combine, I had said a guy that I'm really excited about is Beckton. I had actually named him as one of my guys I was, I was really excited about. But the other guy I was really excited about, and probably the one that I was most excited about, was Tristan Wirfs, um, the offensive tackle out of Iowa. Uh, he's by far one of my favorite offensive linemen in draft, and he did everything he could to prove me right at the combine. He recorded a 40-yard dash of 4.5, 4.85 seconds, the best time of any offensive lineman this year. Uh, he also hit a 36.5-inch vertical, um, the best of any offensive lineman, lineman ever, and a 121-inch broad jump, which ties the offensive lineman record by Colton Miller uh, in the combine in 2018. If that wasn't enough, he also recorded a 765 uh, three-cone drill, good for fifth best amongst offensive linemen. So he is 
athletic. I mean, he's really, really athletic for offensive tackle, and he has lots of uh, utility because he's played both sides on tackle, right, left. He also can play guard. Um, his on-field drills were even more impressive. He, had, he changed direction on a dime on pull drills. He was amazing going back and forth. Um, led by coaches on drills. I mean, it's really just amazing agility around the cones. I can't say enough. And you know what? He's 6'5 and 320 pounds. This guy is the real deal, and I think he has uh, solidified his his uh, positioning in the top 10 of the upcoming draft. So love that guy. Another guy that I obviously have a massive man crush on, now that I can't have a man crush on LaVisca Chanel because he didn't do that well in the combine, so I can't, can't do that anymore. i got to switch over to Tristan. And I will also uh, mention, it's kind of, you know, a little bit off the radar here, is uh, Darrington Evans uh, running back from Appalachian State. A little bit off, further off the radar, he did manage to challenge Taylor with his 4-4-1 second 40-yard dash, best for a uh, good for second best among running backs, tied for fifth best on uh, broad jump on 125 inches and totally shined during field drills. Clearly lots of agility, lots of speed, can catch lots of passes. I mean, of course, his size, 5'10", 203, probably going to keep him in that change of pace role, but I definitely think his performance at the Combine has cemented his potential and, uh, and might bring him up a couple of draft boards for those who are looking to solidify their backfield because most of these backfields are uh, uh, running back by committees at this point. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get picked up um, somewhere in the midway, midway point of the draft. I think that'd be interesting to see what happens. All right, let's move on to the next day. Let's go to Saturday, February 29th, defensive linemen and linebackers on the field. Joey, what do you got? What are your notable uh, performances for Saturday? Uh, so my, I have a winner and a loser. So for the winner, it's uh, uh, for all those people, you know, they talk about Isaiah Simmons, you know, he's the best linebacker. Yeah, that's true. But he's going top five. So a lot of these teams are not going to have a, a shot at him. Um my so my winner was Kenneth Murray um, from Oklahoma. Um, mm-hmm. he, he he did really well. Um, he had a 10, 10 feet nine inch broad and a thirty eight inch vert. Um, plus he was he was booking it with a, a four five two forty. Um, obviously not the four three nine that Isaiah Simmons put up, but uh, <laughs> for a linebacker that's a good time. Yep. Uh, so uh, Murray was kind of floating around like late first, mid second, um, in terms of his, uh, draft position. Um, and this should probably bump him up into the, into the first round guaranteed, uh, with his performance. The, there's only like one other guy that's standing between him and like the second best linebacker in the draft. And that's Patrick queen from LSU. Um, mm-hmm. Murray's had some concerns and coverage. Um, but, uh, just the the athleticism that he put on display at the combine should like put that to ease in terms of like can we fix it? Because um, mm-hmm. he's definitely uh, athletic enough to uh, stick with those those faster tight ends um, uh, and everybody else. Uh, so my loser uh, for uh, Saturday was uh, Derek Brown. Uh, I mm-hmm. actually went to high school five minutes from where he went to high school. He was a he was mm-hmm. a year older than I was. So he was, he's been a toast of town for, for quite a while. So to see him go through this draft process is actually really cool. Um, he was projected to go super high in the draft, like top 10. Um, but he had a, he had a pretty disappointing day. He ran an eight, two, two, three cone, which, uh, mm. according to everything I've seen is very, very bad, <laughs> uh, for a D lineman. <laughs> uh, plus he ran slow and he jumped low, um, and a, a guy that I talked about in a couple podcasts ago, and we were talking about guys to watch the combine or whatever, is Javon Kinlaw. 
So I, I mm-hmm. actually see Kinlaw jumping him now as that as that number one uh, interior defensive lineman. Um, not to say that Derek Brown won't go in the first. I still think he goes in the first. I think he goes uh, mid-teens to early 20s. Um, but he's not going to be that top 10 pick that we all thought he was going to be. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so he's my he's my loser for the last day of the combine. Wow, okay, the good one there. And, of course, slow and low, great things if you're a barbecue guy. Not a good thing if you're at the combine. I love that. Slow and low, not, not a good not a good combo at the combine for sure. So those are, those are some good ones here. And I, and I will uh, turn to the, the guy you mentioned uh, previously, and that's Isaiah Simmons. Um, obviously, um, we know how good he is, linebacker out of Clemson, but he really blew the doors off on day three. I mean, he led all linebackers in the 40-yard dash of 439, uh, which is also, by the way, top 10% for all linebackers in combine history. He was second in the broad jump at 132 and tied for third in the vert at 39. He's a big linebacker, 6'4", 238 pounds, but he showed plenty of agility at the combine. And, of course, as we all know, he played plenty of safety when he was at Clemson as well as corner and defensive end at, while he was in college. So, wow, those measurables, the versatility, his, he's just going to be rising up draft boards quick. I, I don't know how much further up he can go, but um, I love I loved what I saw there. I think it was some some good stuff. Uh, I will mention one person as a uh, as a down here, and I you know I it's hard to say because he did perform well um, when he was in college, and then what can you tell um, pursuant to the combine? He did have some off field issues as well in uh, in, in uh, at LSU, so that could have had some impact there. I'm talking about Michael Divinity, linebacker out of LSU. Um, you know, he really couldn't afford to have a poor showing at the combine, but he did have a poor showing. Ran a 4.85 in the 40-yard dash. Um, you know, you just thought that you'd have to do better than that. I mean, that was that was good for 28th amongst linebackers. He also had only 14 reps on the bench press. That's tied for 24th. And his vert was only 31 inches, uh, tied for 27th. I mean, he really kind of bottomed out. Um, for a guy, uh, he doesn't have a lot of length. Um, he, he has a little bit of length, but he doesn't have a lot of size, I should say, as an edge rusher. Um, it's unclear whether this was going to help him or not. I, I don't think the combine performance did anything to increase his draft stock. So he's my loser of the day. Um, and I also mentioned that his, his broad jump didn't get him any better. 115 inches tied for 27th. I mean, it just basically scraped the bottom of the barrel all the way across the board. Okay. Let's move to the last day. That's Sunday, March 1st, defensive backs and safeties out there on the field. Joey fired away. What do you got for our defensive backs and safeties? Yeah. So I got two winners. Uh, they're both corners. Um, this first one makes me feel incredibly old. Uh, Antoine <laughs> Winfield Jr. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I remember watching his dad, which is, is this is the first time uh, I've seen a, a player's son who, I, who right. I got to watch enter the draft process. So, uh, right, right, right. Another milestone. Well, it makes you um, feel old. Imagine he's... how it makes me feel. Dan, geez, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> it's like I've seen, I might have seen Anton Winfield's grandfather play at some point. All right, go ahead. So tell us about him. Uh, yeah, he had, he had a huge day uh, out of Minnesota. He's a 5'9", 203-pound uh, nickel uh, slash safety guy. He ran a 4'4", 4'40", jumped 36 inches, and uh, 10'3", broad. Um, he really made it look easy. Um, I don't know. His name was floating around a lot in the, in the top 50, but he definitely cemented that uh, status. Um, my other winner is C.J. Henderson out of Florida, and he's probably going to be the second cornerback off the board after Jeff Okuda. Uh, out of the, or out of Ohio State, um, he ran a four three nine forty, 
Um, even Daniel Jeremiah said um, he's going to be a top 15 pick um, during the, the Combine's broadcast. Um, a lot of people knock Henderson on his tackling, um, but I think that's a, a fixable trait in a guy. Um, but he's definitely good in coverage, and that's what you want out of your corners. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I, I like him as my second winner for the day. Yeah, no, I like both of those guys too. And I'm going to hit two guys here who came from schools that are at opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to the draft. All right. I'm going to talk about, first of all, um, Kyle Duggar, safety out of Lenoir Ryan University, which hasn't had a player drafted in the NFL since 2000. (laughs) 2000. It's been a long time, man, since he's, he may be it though. He may be it. He's got some, he's got some elite speed. He's got size. He's explosive. Um, he was first among all DB and safeties in the vertical jump at 42 inches, second among safeties in the broad jump at 11-2, and he had the sixth fastest 40-yard dash among safeties at 4.49. I mean, I think this guy can do some damage. Um, he was uh, he was all All-American last year, um, 31 tackles, one for a loss, two interceptions, four pass breakups, and he was also a punt return specialist, so he can get out there on special teams as well with 12 returns for 175 yards and two touchdowns. So I think there's a lot to like about that. I'm going to flip to the opposite end of the spectrum. I'm going to talk about the Ohio State guy, Jeff Okuda, that you just talked about, cornerback. Uh, man, you know, Ohio State since 1999 has sent 10 cornerbacks. I'm not just talking about cornerbacks. In the first round of the NFL draft, no one has more than five in that span. So, man, cornerback you, Jeff Okuda, did great things on the on the combine to – cement his place atop the draft boards. Um, I just, I won't go through all the details, but I will say that uh, he looked good. I mean, he looked prototypical, 6'1", 201 pounds, had a great vertical jump, 41 inches, tied among first uh, cornerbacks, and uh, he had a broad jump that was first amongst cornerbacks at 135 inches. He was all over the place. He's got ups. All right, that brings us to the end of the show. I mean, it goes goes so fast. So let's go ahead and uh, hit that air horn. Another one, gone. And then uh, some great information on the Combine. Got some more franchise tag thoughts. This is great stuff. This is uh, Joey's favorite time of the year. So, Joey, give us your uh, social media so people can follow you. Yeah, everyone can follow me at Joey Libro on all social media platforms. All right, and you can follow me at FB Garbage Time. And as usual, thank you, everyone, for wasting time with us. And until next time, enjoy your NFL week. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.